All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today is a mock draft Monday and mailbag episode where I will be not only breaking down your listener submitted mock drafts, but also answering your listener submitted questions. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. So guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, been covering the Falcons for many, many years, formerly at Falcfans.com, RIP, still going strong on Twitter, however, at Falcfans, and of course, hosting this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, and today's episode of Locked On Falcons is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. So today's episode is our Monday mock draft mailbag episode where I will be looking at a mock draft as well as answering your listener questions. But today's mock drafts are going to be unique in the sense that they are three mock drafts that have been submitted by you, the listeners, for me to eviscerate, to tear apart, to critique, to praise, all those various things. We'll get into some of the listener questions further on in the episode. We'll talk about some of the top pass rushers that the Falcons could be targeting in round two. We'll talk about whether Kyle Pitts can hold up as an inline blocker. We'll talk about whether or not the Falcons should be looking to draft a quarterback on day two and whether that's more valuable than taking one at uh, pick number four in the draft. And then we'll sort of talk about whether or not getting a rookie on a rookie quarterback on a cheap rookie contract is sort of the pathway for the Falcons to get into cap heaven and potentially compete at the highest levels in the near future. So those are some of the topics that we'll get into on today's episode, but without further ado, let's sort of jump into our first listener submitted mock draft. This one comes from Barack Sapir and he submitted a top 15 picks for his mock draft of the first round. And, you know, he had Trevor Lawrence going number one to the Jaguars, Zach Wilson to the Jets, Justin Fields going number three to the 49ers. He had the Denver Broncos trading up to number four to take Trey Lance. Um, Penny Sewell, number five to the Bengals. Jamar Chase to the Dolphins at six. Jalen Waddle to the Lions at seven. Mac Jones to Carolina at eight. And the Falcons take Kyle Pitts, number nine, uh, with that trade back with the Broncos, number 10, Patrick Sertain to the Cowboys, 11. Rashawn Slater to the Giants, uh, 12. Devontae Smith to the Eagles, 13. Quiddy Pay to the Chargers, uh, 14. The guard, Elijah Vera Tucker to the Vikings, and 15. Uh, J.C. Horn to the Patriots. So um, I wouldn't sit here and say that there's little to no chance of this happening, but you know I don't see a scenario in this situation where the Falcons trade back to nine and both Miami and Carolina pass on Kyle Pitts. What's interesting about the Falcons trading back with Denver is, you know, there was three separate Broncos beat reporters seemingly getting it from the same source because they all tweeted it within like minutes of each other, basically saying that according to their sources, the Broncos have yet to talk to the Falcons about trading up. Now, obviously, they also caveated this um, by saying that it doesn't mean that the the Broncos won't at some point between now and the draft talk to the Falcons about trading up just means that they haven't done it yet. 
but it does sort of seemingly throw cold water on the narrative that I think a lot of people were putting out there that the Broncos are desperate to move up to a quarterback. If the Broncos were desperate to move up to a quarterback, one would think that they will have been talking to the Falcons all along this process, but maybe they are waiting till Trey Lance to do his second pro day, which I think is today, Monday that you guys are listening to this and then they'll finalize their boards and then decide whether or not they want to make offers and phone calls in earnest at that point in time. So I I certainly think the Falcons trading back is definitely a possibility, but I don't personally see the Broncos and Patriots, the two teams that most people seem to think are the teams likeliest to trade up to the Falcons. And I think it makes perfect sense why people think that. Um, I don't think those two teams are going to be as desperate as I think people think they are to get a quarterback at four. And thus, I'm not sure that they're going to be willing to match the price that I'm going to expect the Falcons to want in order to move back to nine or 15, which I'm assuming will probably be at least two future first round picks or an equivalent, which may be a future first round pick and like two future second round picks or something like that. So as for the rest of your mock, you know, it's pretty chalky um, in terms of no major curveballs or anything. Probably the one pick that really stands out to me other than sort of all those teams passing on pits at the, in the, from picks, you know, six through eight is the Chargers taking Quiddy pay at 13. Um, I think that we will see a pass rusher go in the, in the top 15. It may be Quiddy pay, but I don't know if it's going to be to the chargers because based off of what I've heard from the people that are plugged into that chargers beat, it seems like the, I was about to call them San Diego, the chargers at 13 are going to go either offensive lineman or JC horn with that pick, but we'll see. Uh, let's move on to our second mock draft, which uh, their next two mock drafts are Falcon centric. Um, there are seven round mocks, both done using the pro football focus, I believe, mock draft simulator. And our first one comes from Burned Backhouse. He has the Falcons taking Kyle Pitts at number four. He has them taking edge rusher Ronnie Perkins in the second round out of Oklahoma. In round three, he has them taking Wisconsin Whitewater center slash guard Quinn Miners. In round four, he has them taking Indiana safety Jamar Johnson. He has them trading up into the back end of round five or whatever. I, I can't remember. Round four and has them taking... Uh, Virginia Tech running back Khalil Herbert. The Falcons gave up uh, their fifth and two six in order to move up to pick 130 in this mock draft. Then in round five, he still has them taking uh, quarterback Ian Book. And then in round six, uh, he has them taking Pittsburgh edge rusher Patrick Jones. And I'm sure that you threw Patrick Jones in there to get one pick guy in there to butter me up so I wouldn't kill your mock draft. Let's move on to at Stevie Ray Lee's mock draft. He has the Falcons taking Trey Lance at pick number four. He has them trading back in a round two, taking uh, Oregon safety Javon Holland at pick 53, trading with the Titans, getting the Titans second and third round picks while giving up the Falcons second and sixth round picks to move back 18 spots. Then in round three, he has them or he has them trading up into the back end of round two. At pick 63, moving up five spots to swap with the Kansas City Chiefs and giving up a six-round pick so that they can take Quinn Miners at 63. He has them taking uh, Cam Sample, the edge rusher out of Tulane, at pick 85 in round three with that Titans pick. He has them in round four taking running back Khalil Herbert out of Virginia Tech again. He has, uh, in round five, has the Falcons taking Minnesota cornerback Benjamin St. Just. Then he has, in in their two six-round picks, he has them taking uh, defensive tackle out of Texas A&M, Bobby Brown, and then 
ECU offensive tackle Deontay Smith uh, in back-to-back picks at 182 and 183. So uh, let's sort of look look at both of these mocks uh, together. Um, let's focus on Stevie's at first. I have watched Javon Howland. I wasn't that impressed with him. I didn't quite get the hype on him uh, to a degree. I haven't watched a lot of the guys in Stevie's mocks that he has the Falcons take. I haven't watched Sample. I haven't watched St. Juice. I haven't watched Bobby Brown. I haven't watched Deontay Smith. But I've read and heard good things about those guys. I imagine some of those guys are probably going to go a little bit earlier than you're projecting them to go. You know, I've heard Deontay Smith might go in rounds three or four. St. Juice might go in rounds three or four. You think you have them in round five and six. Um, Going to... Burn Backhouse's mock draft. You know, Jamar Jackson is one of the better safety prospects from what I have seen so far in terms of how I view these safeties. He had a very big game against Justin Fields, and I think that's really sort of elevated his stock to a certain extent. Um, both of you guys have the Falcons taking Quinn Miners either at the beginning of round three or at the end of round two. I think getting him at that point in the draft would be a coup for the Falcons. Um, I've heard a lot of people speculate that he won't get past the Steelers at pick 55. Um, so we'll see about that. But I certainly think if the Falcons can get uh, Miners in that sort of 63 or 68 range would be a great pick for them because I think probably in all likelihood he might probably go somewhere in the 40s or 50s. You know, both of you guys have the Falcons taking uh, Khalil Herbert. Uh, in round four. And, you know, I think you'll probably be interested to hear what is probably going to be tomorrow's episode, but we'll have Matt Waldman of the Rookie Scouting Portfolio coming on to talk about running backs, and they'll talk about Khalil Herbert. So I will let Matt talk about what he thinks of that guy um, on tomorrow's episode. And then, um, Byrne, you have the Falcons taking Ronnie Perkins um, in round two, which is fine. I, I like Perkins. I'm not sure if I like him enough to take him at pick 35. You know, it feels like a little bit of a reach there. I think you, I'd much rather feel better if I could trade back, you know, 10, 15 spots and, and get Ronnie Perkins later. I think probably that late round two, early round three range is probably where I expect him to go. Um, you know, I feel like ideally at that pick 35 spot, if you're going to take a pass rusher, if you're going to get an edge rusher, you're going to get one of those guys that kind of fell out of round one. And I'm not sure I would describe Ronnie Perkins as one of those guys, but you know, beggars can't be choosers, um, when it comes particularly with the Falcons and adding pass rushers. And with that note, we'll sort of wrap up the mock draft portion of today's episode and get into the mailbag portion of today's episode, including talking about one of those edges that could be a guy that quote unquote fell out of round one and Jason Oway, And we'll get into that coming up on today's episode. This episode is brought to you by 1010, a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced in limited edition designs at fair price points. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Rings sure to bring joy into her life. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring, ideal for engagement, Mother's Day, or simply a beautiful conversation piece. They're the perfect way to bring light into our life. They're available now through Mother's Day only at BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10. This collection features high quality, fine jewelry that will surprise and delight and fairly priced. So you can give her something special and truly meaningful. I checked these out myself and I like the ones that are not only just classic and traditional, but you also have a good mix of some more modern, elegant designs too. If you're on the hunt for that perfect, unique ring that she'll treasure forever, you're definitely going to want to check this out. They won't be around for long, so find them now by searching the words 10 by 10 only at BlueNile.com. 
BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. And maybe you didn't get the chance to bet on the NFL, March Madness, or the Masters this year. But don't worry, the NBA, NHL, NASCAR, and FCS college football are all in full swing. And of course, Major League Baseball is back, baby. And it's not just sports, since BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine, because BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today at betonline.ag. Use the promo code Locked On and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Again, sign up today at betonline.ag. Use the promo code Locked On to get that 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So as we continue today's Mailbag Monday, you guys know that the Locked On Podcast Network is covering the NFL draft from all the angles. Catch up on the ultimate Mock Draft 2021 podcast presented by Odyssey starting today and also follow the Locked On NFL Draft and Draft Dudes podcast for the latest draft news and stay tuned for more info about our live day one draft coverage coming later this month. So our first question comes from Jay Halim on Twitter. He asks, not sure if you've done much homework on the pass rushers yet, but what do you think about Jason Owe? Seems like a ridiculous athlete, but didn't have a sack last season, though. Worth a draft pick for the Falcons. Um, you know, I like Owe. He's talented and raw. You know, the lack of sack production is less than ideal. And, you know, I think you probably will have to draft him trusting in your defensive line coach or whoever in, in the Falcons case, our outside linebackers coach to really coach him up and develop him. And, you know, you're hearing a lot of people compare him to Daniel Hunter, who came into league as a very raw athletic guy without a lot of production, went to Minnesota and got the development. But, you know, players like Hunter are often more the exceptions to the rules uh, in that regard. As for his not having a sack this past year, I do think that is somewhat, it, it is a concern, but I do think it's somewhat overblown because he only played seven games this past year instead of a full 12 to 13 game compliment. But it's not as if like if he had played five or six additional games, he would have got like eight sacks in those five or six additional games. But I think given that he didn't get, you know, the usual um, opportunities to play some Mac teams or, or whoever, some FCS teams at the beginning of the season in a typical Big Ten schedule meant that he didn't get a couple of those games that most guys get to sort of pad their stat totals, uh, at least as far as sacks go. As for whether he's worth the pick of the Falcons, I think certainly he would be worth it if the Falcons, uh, if he were to fall to them in round two. I don't know if he would be the guy I would target it in a scenario where the Falcons like trade back to like 15 or 20 or something uh, in round one. Um, I think there are other guys that I would probably target with those picks um, if I was going for an edge rusher there. So, in round two, though, I think, you know, the risk is worth it. You know, swing for the upside at that point in the draft. You're not going to get athletes like uh, Jason Owe that often at pick 35. And in most drafts, most of those guys, uh, regardless of their sack production, are usually going to be top 20 type of picks in most years. Um, so, you know, as I've said Earlier on this podcast, and as I often say on this podcast, you know, when it comes to the Falcons and pass rushers, Beckers can't be choosers. The truth is the Falcons are more than likely going to have to throw several darts at the board, so to speak, when it comes to drafting pass rushers over the next, you know, two, three, four years uh, and having a mindset of sort of like, let's just, you know, do a scattershot approach and hope that we hit on a couple of guys rather than just simply saying, as we have done over the last, you know, five or six years and say this one guy that we drafted, uh, Vic Beasley or Tack McKinley or, or whoever is going 
going to be the guy for us. And it's just going to be just like a, a scattershot approach of just like, look, let's bring in three or four guys uh, over the next couple of years or four or more guys over the next couple of years. And hopefully one or two of those guys will emerge for us. So if I had to guess though, when we talk about potential options at pick 35, you know, I think in terms of guys, as I mentioned earlier, that fell out of round one, I think Jason Owe or, or um, Jalen Phillips would be ideal. I don't think either of those guys are going to fall out of round one, but those would be the type of guys that I'm talking about and referring to as far as guys that fell out of round one that could be there at 35. I would guess that if the Falcons do take an edge rusher at 35, you will probably see them take uh, Texas uh, Texas's Jace, Joseph Osai or Washington's Joe Tryon as these sort of um, high motor sort of edges that can play three, four outside linebacker for the Falcons. Those would be my two guesses. If not, then, you know, they probably might wait till round three or four, or they could go and take a completely different player like Boogie Basham from Wake Forest, who's more of an inside a Shaq Lawson type of player than a, a true edge rusher. That's probably going to play inside and outside at the next level. Uh, Andrew G at Drewski four one one on Twitter asks, are you concerned with Pitts' frame in the NFL? My concerns is that he looked like he played at the, in the two thirties at Florida and in the NFL, you typically old tight ends are two fifty to two sixty. Uh, I know he weighed in at two forty six at his pro day, but believe that's fake weight. For the combine slash pro day numbers, I think it would be a mistake for the Falcons to line him up as a traditional tight end for blocks and should only line him up in the slot or out wide. I worry about him taking on blocks from NFL caliber defensive ends consistently, even though he's a good blocker. Grill me for my take. Yeah, I think Pitts, I think the assumption a lot of people have until they actually sit down and watch Pitts play is that he's not a good blocker. I think he's an underrated blocker. Like he's not a guy that you're going to ask to stick on an Island against Von Miller or Shaq Barrett or, or whoever, or Brian Burns or whatever the case may be. Um, but I think, you know, if he was to fill out his frame a little bit and I don't think adding, you know, getting up into 252, 255 range is going to really hurt his game as a receiver in a major way, given his link, given his effort, I think he can be, a much more effective blocker and inline blocker than a lot of people assume he's going to be. But I agree with you. You don't want to necessarily have him spend the vast majority of his snaps playing in line. Like you see with a guy like Darren Waller, who spends who lines up in line about 60, 65% of his snaps. Um, but I don't think, you know, when you compare him to some other tight ends that are maybe on the opposite end of the spectrum, you look at a guy like Logan Thomas for Washington this past year. Uh, he only had about 30% of his snaps last year as an inline tight end. Uh, Travis Kelsey, this past year was 43%. Zach Ertz was 44%. Jimmy Graham in his last year in New Orleans was 36%. So I think there's reasonable expectation that Kyle Pitts will probably fall more in line with that or should fall more in line with that and have, you know, spend 60, 65% of his snaps, you know, in the slot or out wide at the next level. But for the 35 to 40% of the snaps that he's in line, I don't think he's going to be a liability in that. He may not be as good as a Travis Kelsey or a Gronk or, or whatever the case may be. But I think, you know, with improved technique and filling out his frame a little bit more, I think he'll probably wind up being a better blocker than players like Zach Ertz or Darren Waller, Jimmy Graham, or even going back to Tony Gonzalez here in Atlanta. Um, our next question comes from Stephen Bounds at Stephen Bounds on Twitter. He asks, the Falcons are going to play a quarterback in 2021 if they take one 
at four, right? Why sit said quarterback if they don't, if they're not going to be good anyway, they should run a two quarterback system if it's quarterback at four. Well, you know, if you go back to Arthur Smith, his last two years in Tennessee, he did have a package of plays where he had like design quarterback runs for Marcus Mariota and Ryan Tannehill. So I think the Falcons taking quarterback four, we, we will see that guy play. It just may not be something that they have week in and week out, similar to what we saw when, when the Falcons drafted Michael Vick, uh, when Chris Chandler was here and they had like a package of plays that they tried to run almost every week with Michael Vick to get him on the field. You're not going to do that because obviously Matt Ryan is a much better quarterback. Shout out to Chris Chandler, but is a much better quarterback than Chris Chandler was at that point in his career. So you're not going to necessarily take Matt Ryan off the field for more than a handful of plays at most. So yeah, I think you'll see a quarterback uh, get some snaps on the field, obviously garbage time opportunities, blowouts and whatnot. But uh, yeah, I don't think it's going to be just simply like, Oh, we draft a quarterback of four. And he never plays it down uh, for the next year or two. But you know, what you're saying makes it seem like you're, you're expecting a, a Vic Chandler sort of scenario. And I don't think that's going to happen or similar to what we had with Joe Flacco and Lamar Jackson early uh, during Jackson's rookie year. I don't think that's going to happen. So we've still got more questions to answer on today's Monday mailbag episode, including which players are the biggest Falcon killers that I have seen from the past decade. Should the Falcons wait on drafting a quarterback and and get a guy on day two? And does having a quarterback on a rookie contract put them in quote unquote cap heaven like many people seem to think? And we'll get into those questions coming up on today's episode. But before we get there, guys, I do want to plug the MLB side of the Lockdown Podcast Network where you can find a daily podcast devoted to your favorite Major League Baseball team, including the Atlanta Braves. Check out the Locked On Braves podcast hosted by Dylan Short wherever you get your podcast. So as we move forward on today's episode, we're going to talk about some non-quarterbacks that have really hurt the Falcons over the last couple of years. And I figured the secret to their success is not only getting the benefit of playing some very questionable Falcon defenses over the years, but it's probably because those guys get a healthy amount of protein in their diet. And it's probably due to the fact that I know for a fact that some of these guys are frequent visitors to and customers of built bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market built bars, all have 100% real chocolate in them. So they taste just like a candy bar. They come in great flavors like coconut, almond, and peanut butter and caramel brownie, cookies and cream, lemon, almond, cheesecake, and so much more. And built bars, they're just not tasty. They're also healthy. They're low in sugar and calories, high in protein and fiber. I like to use them as low calorie meal replacements for breakfast and lunch. Maybe you want to give yourself an energy boost pre or post workout, or maybe you're out here wanting to drop 140 receiving yards and two touchdowns on the Atlanta Falcons in the very new future. However you want to use it to get that protein boost. All you got to do is just head over to builtbar.com, use the promo code locked 15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's promo code locked 15 for 15% off your next order at builtbar.com. So if you guys don't know today through the 26 begins the ultimate mock draft 2021 presented by the lockdown podcast network and odyssey featuring great analysis from NFL experts like Michael Irvin, Aaron Freeman, Jason Locke and for Aaron Freeman, Brian Baldinger. And of course the incomparable Aaron Freeman, 
Our local experts, including Aaron Freeman from every team, are making trades and picking the next stars for their respective teams. All you got to do is just go to the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast and search for the ultimate mock draft 2021. Odyssey is your audio home for the sports podcast, music and news that matter to you. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. So chill vibes at chill catch vibes on Twitter as really enjoy the show gets me through the graveyard shift. Fun question for the podcast over the last decade. If you had to pick five non quarterback offensive players that had given the Falcons the most problem, the most trouble because they were a matchup nightmare, who would come to mind? Well, within the division, Mike Evans and Jimmy Graham are the first names that come to mind. You know, I think outside of division, I would probably just because even though these guys haven't played a ton of games against the Falcons over the last decade, but over when they have, even if it's been only like two or three times, they absolutely work the Falcons in those games. Um, Players like Odell Beckham, Antonio Brown, and probably Adrian Peterson are probably some of the more prominent ones that come to mind. You could probably throw Travis Kelsey into that group as well. I wouldn't put Michael Thomas there just because Michael Thomas pretty consistently over the last couple of years has like a really monster game in the first game against the Falcons. And then the Falcons sort of game plan against him the second game and and keep him in check, even though the, the Saints always manage to win that second game, regardless of that fact. But if I was actually going to put someone I would put over Michael Thomas or any other guy in division, I would probably put Taysom Hill on that list because for whatever reason, the Falcons just cannot stop Taysom Hill. I think I saw somewhere like 50% of his passing production in his career has come against the Falcons. Like 30% of his rushing production is coming against the Falcons. Like I bet if you watch the top 10 Taysom Hill plays, like at least six or seven of those plays would be against the Falcons. They just cannot stop that dude to save his life. And it's, disgusting. It makes me sick to my stomach. Um, let's move on to Jamel at JK 86 question before I throw up. Uh, he asked, do you think it could be for Fontenot to be interested in QB six through eight, thus justifying Kyle Pitts in round one and someone like Kellen Mon in the second or third round? Just curious. I don't think that's going to really factor into their conversation. I personally think the idea of waiting on a quarterback and being in love with QB six or QB seven or eight makes no sense. Um, you know, I've, I've got a lot of feedback from folks to saying like, oh, the Falcons should pass on the quarterback at four and just wait and get one of these other guys in round two. And Kellen Mond is a guy that has been mentioned several times. And we had uh, Derek Klassen on Friday uh, talking about Kellen Mond as sort of the standout potentially of that sort of next four group. If you count Kellen Mond, Jamie Newman, Kyle Trask and Davis Mills as that group. But to me, drafting a quarterback after in, in the late first, second, third round pick, if you look historically, it's a wasteland, right? You know, it, it, you're it, to me, you're just basically throwing away draft pick. If you, if you wait to take a quarterback at that point in time, and you're hoping that guy's going to turn into a starter, right? If you look at from 2010 to 2019, 10 year sample, 32 quarterbacks were taken between picks 15 and 100. And only five have managed to start 50 or more games in the NFL. That's Russell Wilson, Andy Dalton, Derek Carr, um, Colin Kaepernick, and Nick Foles. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater's at 49, so he, he should cross that this upcoming season, hopefully. Uh, and Lamar Jackson's at 37. So you're, you're talking about seven out of um, 32 guys, which is a hit rate of like 22%. And again, that's including guys like 
Kaepernick and Foles and, and Dalton that aren't necessarily high level quarterbacks, but are just like good enough that a, a team is not going to move on from those guys. Um, and compare that to say any other position like linebacker from 2010 to 2019, there were 107 linebackers drafted. Some of that does include edge rushers, uh, but 41 of those guys have started 50 or more games. And there's like another seven or eight that are at like 34 career starts or more at this point in time that probably will pass 50 within the next year or so. So you have a hit rate there at linebacker compared to quarterbacker, which is 22%. You have a hit rate at linebacker. That's like 45, 50%, right? So to me, like your chances of finding a starter at pretty much any other position, maybe linebackers unique in that regard, but I don't think it is, is like twice as much as it finding a quarterback. And so to me, you're just wasting a pick. If you wait till day two on the draft to find a potential starter at that spot, just take a starter at another spot, wait till day three of the draft for a quarterback, take a flyer on some athletic big arm guy. If one of those next four falls to round four, then take him at one away or something like that. It's, it's going to be more valuable to you to draft any other position in rounds two and three and possibly four, uh, where you can potentially get a starter than taking a flyer on a backup quarterback that probably will wind up starting like four games over the course of his rookie contract in all likelihood. Um, so, you know, you would wait to, the time to take a backup quarterback is the time where the odds of finding a starter at another position would be closer to 22%. And based off of past research I have done, that would probably be after round four. So in round five or later, that's when you should take a quarterback. I think teams that take quarterbacks in rounds two, three, and four, just generally speaking, wasting picks, unless it's a scenario like a Russell Wilson, where you say like, if this guy was two inches taller, he would have been a first round pick. Or it's a scenario like Lamar Jackson, where, you know, who was a first round pick, but like, obviously all the, the Bill Poley and stuff with Lamar Jackson, was like this guy's being vastly undervalued uh, as far as his ability to project to the next level. Um, our next question also comes from Jamel at JK86. He has, with increased focus on health slash injuries, do you think we may see a trend for top prospects to have an opt-out year to prepare for the NFL draft? Uh, maybe, but I, I would be highly doubtful. I, I think the opt-outs this particular year were mostly a COVID exclusive thing. I think it, you will see NFL teams hold it against players much more so than they have over this year uh, for guys that opt out when they're healthy. Um, it's one thing we've seen examples where guys have gotten hurt mid season and rather than trying to fight their way back, uh, you know, for a two month, eight to 12 week rehab and try to get back for a bowl game or something. And they say, look, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to shut it down. I'm going to have the surgery and I'm going to start preparing for the NFL draft. Like, I think you'll, you, you might see more of that, but I think in terms of like guys, like I'm not going to play football this year and I'm healthy. Like, no, no, I don't think you're going to see that. And if you do, it's going to cause a much bigger hubbub than it currently is doing right now. Um, our last question comes from at Steven bounds. He has, don't people get a little carried away with the idea of that having a quarterback on a rookie deal is cap heaven. All it takes is a couple of injuries and or bad non quarterback contracts to negate that advantage. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, you know, I think people tend to overrate. It's like having a quarterback on a rookie contract is this magic elixir. That's going to allow your team to be successful. And if you don't have that, then you're not going to be successful. I think that that tends to be over exaggerated, but I think when you look specifically at the Falcon situation, you know, they're going to have an opportunity in, in the near future where they will should, at least in theory, if they execute, right, which is what you're talking about, have an advantage from a cap standpoint once they move on from Matt Ryan, right? Now, 
in a scenario where they move on from Matt Ryan next year, they're still not going to get the uh, cap advantage because they're going to have to take on a lot of dead money from doing so. So reality is that you're not going to get a cheap quarterback until 2023, 2024, possibly 2025. That's a fifth year option for a quarterback that you draft at four this year. Um, the fifth year option, again, don't know quite what it's going to be, but let's say somewhere in the $25 million range, which is not cheap, but considerably cheaper than paying a guy $40 million. Um, so in the best case scenario, if you take a quarterback at four and that guy hits the ground running pretty quickly and has a lot of success immediately as a starter, you probably have like a two to three year window from like 2023 to 2025, similar to what the Rams had from like 2017 to 2018 when they had Jared Goff on a relatively cheap contract or like you're seeing currently with the Cardinals and they're trying to push with Kyler Murray on a relatively cheap contract to maximize that. And so that is an advantage. And so, you know, I think if you can see this regime build up the rest of this roster relatively quickly, like the defense, you know, also the offensive line improving, getting good play calling on both sides of the ball, the Falcons hitting on a couple of defensive playmakers uh, this year, next year, as well as having the cap flexibility once some of these contracts like a Matt Ryan, like a Julio Jones are off the books come 2023, 2024. And so therefore they will be able to supplement it with some mid tier and higher tier free agents. You could possibly see the Falcons being in a similar situation as the Rams were a couple of years ago, or the Cardinals are presumably in now where they're going to start making this push to try to capitalize on the, having a cheap rookie contract. And if all those things, if all those boxes are checks, if all those T's are crossed and I's are dotted, so to speak, um, you could see this Falcon team achieving at a high level and being one of the top teams. So I think there's reasons for people to be optimistic about the future of where this team could be three years from now than versus where they are right now. Um, but as you say, a lot of that, Stephen, has to do with how well this new regime is at executing the plan, so to speak, because there's so many unknowns at this point in time. Uh, so we'll just have to sort of see how that develops. But certainly, you know, you know, there's reasons for optimism, but, you know, I wouldn't necessarily be like, oh, this is definitely going to happen. Right. So that's how I would answer that question. And that's all the questions I have for today's uh, mock draft and mailbag Monday. And tomorrow's episode, we should have a guest in Matt Waldman of the Rookie Scouting Portfolio. And we will talk pretty exclusively about running backs and, and who are some guys that could be valuable uh, targets for the Falcons early in the draft and in the middle rounds of the draft. So definitely check that out. And of course, if you want to submit questions for future mailbags, future Q and A's, of course you can do so by hitting me up on Twitter at locked on Falcons on Facebook at locked on Falcons, or you can send an email to locked on Falcons at mail.com. Appreciate it guys. Until then.